Welcome, everyone, to From the Bronx with Love. I'm your lovely host, Karen. Hi, Dominique here. How are you, Dom? Um, I'm healing. Last we spoke, I was dying. <laughs> it's been... Okay, well, no. Last time, when did we record? Was it on a Wednesday night or a Thursday night? It was a Thursday night. Okay, so today we're recording on a Tuesday night, and Dom is still recovering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, Thursday night. You said Tuesday night. Oh, wait, no. We see I'm a mess. No, yeah. last week we recorded on Thursday, and now this episode is on a Tuesday. <laughs> well, you see, I am still recovering. My brain is still recovering. Don't you judge the sick. <laughs> I'm not judging. I'm just clarifying. I can breathe now. I can smell. What else can I do? I haven't been coughing as much. I'm still coughing though. I had two really bad nights where coughing fits have like kept me up all night. Didn't go to sleep until like five or six a.m. Ah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think that's really what I'm dealing with now is like fatigue aftermath. I'm just tired. Yeah. How are you? I am doing good. I'm also uh, kind of like, so recently I've been getting more into reading like actual books, not on a Kindle or anything like that. And so I have two books that arrived today and I'm currently halfway through one. So I'm really excited to get started on the other two, but I started reading more because I realized that I was just spending countless hours scrolling through my phone and just refreshing. Don't you come for me like this. No, Stop. I'm not coming Stop for being you. shady. But I noticed that it was a really bad habit. Wow, you are shading me so hard because I too ordered two books, <gasps> but I'm still scrolling on Twitter. <laughs> Oh, you see, for me now, it's changed a little bit because when I wait for the train, usually that's what I would do. Either I would, you know, draft posts for Instagram for the podcast, Mm -hmm. or I would just scroll through Twitter. And I started realizing that everyone does it. And it looks, I don't know, for me, it makes it seem like the phone is just like sucking us into the screen. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I realized, I was like, no, I, I need to change this. And then every single morning, what I would do is like, I would wake up, stretch a little bit and immediately go to my phone. And so I was like, nope, this is turning into a really bad habit and I need to break it somehow. So I was like, you know what? I really enjoy reading, but I just haven't done it for so long. So yeah, I started, you know, looking up some recommended readings and everything and I found some really good books so I am excited okay amazing what books um are you reading what are the titles uh okay so the first book that I read and I actually have them all here handy so it would be kind of good to discuss them and I posted some of them on the um Instagram for the podcast Mm-hmm. So yeah, me again. So you're like, why don't you pay attention? <laughs> but for those interested, I have been really getting into the author um, Reina Grande. Mm-hmm. 
So I ordered a few more books that are by the same author, Reina Grande. And so the first book that I read from her is called The Distance Between Us. I've heard of that book. You have to read it. Okay. It's so emotional. And also because this book talks about how these parents left their kids back in Mexico in order to pursue the American dream. And it just talks about kind of like that family separation. And it's, it's told obviously from Reina's perspective and a lot of the things that she talked about in this book, I could really relate to. There were parts where I just had to put it down because I could not hold back the tears. And when a book does that to me, it's just, it means that it's great. So that's one. Karen's a masochist. Make her cry. <laughs> then the second one that I read was Across a Hundred Mountains. Really, really love the plot in this one. The, the way that she connects two stories. If you don't stay attentive to the book, there's like some little areas where you can get lost just because of how these stories intersect. But highly recommend it as well. Mm, okay I this is so interesting because I was I was reading fiction or I'm like a huge fiction um novel like I would devour novels um I love them and I originally wanted to be a novelist and I'm like how do you make money doing that instead I went into podcasting um, <laughs> How are we going to do money with that? <laughs> <laughs> My lifelong question. <laughs> um, but so I've actually, in the past couple, I'm going to say three or four months, have actually shifted from reading novels to reading nonfiction books. Okay. Yeah. So Want to so- name a few of the titles that you've been reading? Oh, God, no. I mean, yes, I do, because I really do, really do enjoy these books, but I'm saying no, because I've been terrible at keeping up with them. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. That's why I'm like, why are you shading me right now? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can start with the books that I did order. So the reason why I haven't actually cracked open either of these books is because I had them uh, delivered to the office and because I was, you know, literally on my deathbed. Um... (laughs) I obviously could not get to them. Oh, actually, I think one of your books arrived. I saw a package on your desk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think they both arrived because they're both in the same package. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the first one I, um, I'm looking forward to reading is actually Mistaken Identity, Race and Class in the Age of Trump by Assad Hader. Ooh. Yeah, it talks about um, the construct of whiteness and the division between um, the white working class or the myth of the white working class and the working class coalition in general, because like, I feel like um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said something like there is no like white working class, it's just the working class. And I was like, yeah, I've always thought that like anyone who's making money, who's not like firmly in the middle to upper middle class and I even think there is not really that much of a middle class anymore I think it's like working class and then there's upper and wealthy um all right we all occupy that space you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. like it's not like white coal miners or factory workers who are labeled as working class it's nurses 
um, it's janitors, it's teachers. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's from all kinds of backgrounds. Anyways, I was really interested in learning more about that in terms of American history. Um, and then another one that is, this book is actually, or the, um, the people discussed in the book that I'm about to mention now are actually discussed in the Mistaken Identity book. And it's um, How We Get Free, Black Feminism, and the Kumbahi River Collective. And these, oh. the, yeah, and um, the Kumbahi River Collective is a group of radical Black feminists who coined the term intersectional feminism. And it really goes, it makes, does a really deep dive on what it means to be intersectional in um, activism Mm -hmm. and in policy. And I know like if our listeners are really tapped in, especially in terms of Twitter and like feminist movement, there's a lot of discussion about intersectionality, but I've always kind of felt like the intersectionality has been pretty surface. You know how I feel about it. Um, especially when it comes to reproductive rights. Um, oh, yes. <clears throat> not a lot of discussion about um, black and brown women, um, but it's like a lot about, you know, abortion and birth control and, yeah, the default in this country right. is white. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so um, when I do hear about intersectionality, I think it's uh, rather surface, especially on social media, because that's what social media lends itself to is being pretty surface. Um, so I wanted to learn more, um, which is why I ordered that book. So those are the two books that when I have fully recovered and regra- regained my strength and I'm no longer dying, I will be reading. <laughs> so reading requires strength? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, you know, when you're sick, that's the best time to catch up on reading because you're in bed all day. (laughs) But I guess not for you, Dom. Not even a little bit. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And I think you posted this other book that I've really been digging into and I kind of stopped because, you know, according to Karen, I shouldn't have. I should be reading more when I'm sick, which I think is ridiculous. You should be tweeting as much about that's how you heal (laughs) wait so which book are you talking about um zealot the life and times of jesus christ oh yes yes i did post about that yeah it's just that because you don't send me enough posts so then i go into your stories and screenshot them this is shay dominique (laughs) i don't all i did was exist y'all <laughs> in a mood. Letting the the listeners know. Mm, okay. <laughs> I guess I have to read more books and send them your way. So I have a question. Yes. And I guess this will lead on to our main topic. Mm-hmm. So now that you've been sick, I have a question for you, which probably will lead on to our main topic. But now that you were sick, did your parents baby you? Did they bring you a chicken noodle soup to your bed? Like, how did that work out? I know you're the only daughter, so I'm assuming they spoiled you. Um, that's a good question. Yes and no. 
Huh. So it's not like, I guess, so as an only child, you get a hundred of everything. So you do get like 100% of the affection and the spoiling and the attention. But then you also get 100% of the attention that you do not want. <laughs> um, well, no chicken noodle soup. One, I'm not a fan. I think we talked about I'm not a fan of soups at all. Yeah, we did. Um, but yes, I got all the best cough syrups. I had nasal decongestant. I didn't leave my room at all. All of it was bought for me. Um, zinc um, was bought for me as well. And some ginger ale, which my mom apparently thinks is good for colds. I'm like, nope, that's for stomach aches. Um, <laughs> and teas, a lot of teas. Okay. And water. And, of course. Um, I didn't make any of my food. Mm, lovely. Yeah. So there was that. But then there was, and I don't know if this is because I'm older and I'm home, um, this weird phenomenon of I've been home because I'm sick. For the past five days, I think. Well, since we've last spoke. Right. And even though we have um, really great flexibility where we can work from home, there's just something that doesn't register with them. If I'm home during a weekday, they think I'm off. Ah. So then there was a lot of attention being paid to like, okay, you're resting, but like, you can drive and run errands too, right? Oh my like, god! Um, no, one I'm working into. I want to just rest. Yeah, I want to nap in between answering emails. Of course. So it was like spoiled a bit, but but not as much. Yeah, not like I wasn't babied. I definitely wasn't babied. I did get. I had all my demands met. So I was princessed. <laughs> oh, God. That kind of reminds me of, uh, I'm pretty sure you saw on social media that I was at the beach. Mm-hmm. And it had been a while since my family and I went out together. Mm-hmm. And I-, I guess it did count as a day off, but not really. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It felt like somehow I was responsible for the family, even though I shouldn't be, because we're all adults. Let's hear it. So I want to stop you right there. Um, I guess I can say that I want to kind of hold you and interview you and dissect (gasps) this because I feel like we have very similar, um, not like we're baby, but we're held to a different standard in the family um, because of culture, mm-hmm. both women. And we're non-married women. So like non-married women of a certain age, like it's like take care of the family until you have your own family. So it's like just a transfer. Yeah. Um, which is ir- irritating. It is. <laughs> um. Despite that, I think you handle this so much better than I do. Like, you're <laughs> very graceful at this. So I want to, like, dissect this beach day with you. And, like, I don't know. If the listeners are up to it, they can't answer, so they're up to it. 
um, I'm going to interview you. Yay. Yeah. (laughs) So like, let's start off with you just giving us some context and then we can go from there. Okay. So usually now when it comes to the weekends, I kind of do my own thing. I don't wait on my parents anymore just because they have a set routine, especially for Sundays. It's just like have breakfast together, go to church, come back home, either be at the flower shop or just be here at home watching movies. I don't know if it's because my parents are older now, which they're not that old. They're in, they just turned 50. So it's not like they're super old. They're 12 years younger than my parents. uh, Oh, wow. (laughs) My parents were in middle school when your parents were born. (laughs) Oh my God. So I don't know if it has to do anything with age, but they have this routine. And so I guess before, because we were little, they would take us out to more places. But now that we're grown, it's just like, I guess we can take ourselves to all these other places. (laughs) But it had been a while since we spent a family day together. So I suggested that we go to the beach because my mom had not been to the beach this year. And I know she does like it. So I was like, well, might as well go. My plans were like non-existent, basically. So I was like, okay, I can spend time with them. And so, yes, we agreed to go. And then my dad was like, okay, but how do we get there? Because none of us drive because we live in New York and we have no need to. Anyway, that's another story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I suggested Lyft. Because I thought it was only going to be the four of us. But then they invited additional family members. So in total, it was going to be eight. So there was no way we were going to fit eight people on a lift. And so then my dad was like, no, I have a few friends that can give us a ride over there. And he actually took care of that part, which I was very thankful for. But then when it came time to actually get everyone out of the house sometime, it was like, okay, everyone... We have to be ready by 1030. Everyone, make sure you have your stuff, your blankets, your umbrellas, your bathing suits, your lotion, your, your sunblock, everything you need. Water. I packed extra water because I knew, I knew someone was going to forget. Mm-hmm. But I didn't pack food. And that's where the problem arised later on throughout the day. <laughs> Which was just such a mess. And it reminded me of old times when we used to go out. And the same thing occurred. So how did you, how did you feel about like the ownership being thrusted on you um, by, it was your dad? Yeah. Yeah. So how, how did you feel about that? I didn't mind Simply because now I'm used to it, right? Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, it was like, we have other adults here who are actually the parents of these kids. Mm -hmm. So why does it have to fall on me? Right. Which I didn't say anything about it. But at the same time, it was just like, okay, I think we're all pretty much adults here. And even though the kids, they're not really kids anymore because they're like 19 or something. It's like, okay, I don't, you don't need me to look out for them. 
Okay, I see. So you, through years of, um, I guess, being groomed to be like the woman of the house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Understood that like that was a role for you to fall in line to, but then also to prepare to avoid for future conflicts. Exactly. And not only... Go ahead. Not only conflicts for myself, but also for everyone else's sake. Mm -hmm. So, like, they made you, like, a hostess. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Like, all it was was just an idea, off-the-cuff idea. It wasn't something you planned at all. No. So then it was just like, okay, the first one to say it is the one one to do it all. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then, so I usually have, you know, extra blankets that I take with me to the beach or whatever. And I had extra ones lying around. So I asked everyone if they had their own. Some people said yes. And then my mom was like, well, you have yours. And I also have one. That should be enough. I was like, no, that's not. There's going to be a total of eight people going. And three of these people love to take up space. So two blankets is not going to be enough. We ended up taking four. Four blankets and three umbrellas. That, that <laughs> sounds like probably, well, three umbrellas is not enough for me. Just me. Just for eight people, I think that sounds like an adequate amount. Yeah, and I think we were missing, we we should have brought an additional one. Yeah. And so, good thing that I suggested bringing extra blankets, or else some of us would have just been sitting on the sand. (laughs) And then... I had to provide the sunblock and then the beach that we went to required an admission. And so everyone was like, okay, how do we do this? Who pays? Who do we pay back? I was like, okay, I'll just pay with my card. And then everyone else gives me the cash just to avoid doing multiple transactions and this taking any longer. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. (laughs) And I just, yeah, basically I had to like collect them and made sure that everyone had their ticket, that they knew where the bathrooms were. So, yeah, that's me and my family on a beach day. Wow. So how did you, like, what were the activities? Did you end up having, like, time for yourself? No, I didn't. Okay, wow. Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> because whether I was in the water... I was always either like with my brother, with my cousins, my parents would also be in there. If I got out of the water they, and, you know, just laid down on the blanket, there was usually someone else there, either because they didn't want to be in the water anymore or because they just wanted to stay there, basically. So, yeah, I was always surrounded by people. <laughs> Which I didn't mind as much because when I was back at, you know, our umbrella section, mm-hmm. one of my cousins also, you know, enjoys, I guess, his personal space. So we were just there sitting, but it wasn't really like we were talking. We were just keeping each other company in silence, which that was like a good maybe 10 minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> until more people came. Right. 
you know, the rest of the family joined eventually. Yeah. So no, it wasn't, this trip was not to have time to myself. It was clearly to spend time with family. You went with the intention of using your time to share with others. Yeah. And that's a really lovely sentiment. (laughs) And the reason why I do that now is because I kind of do my own thing. Even though I live with my parents, I do my own thing on the weekends after work. And so sometimes my dad will say like, I barely see you now. I wake up and you're gone. And then I come back from work and you're either working out and then go straight to sleep. And I just don't see you anymore, which he's exaggerating guys. It's not like that at all. But sometimes I do leave early because I have work to catch up on, or sometimes they decide to schedule meetings early. Mm -hmm. So in order to make it there on time, I have to leave earlier and they wake up a little bit later than me. So there's no way I can possibly wait for them Mm -hmm. so that I could have breakfast and then leave for work. Like that's just not going to work out. And so I figured that this was a good time for them to see more of me because they claim they don't. (laughs) But it's not that I don't want to spend time with them. It's just because now I go to different places and I know, especially my dad would not like it. Like he barely likes to go out to eat. Mm -hmm. So, and the few times that we do go out to eat, it turns up into like this whole big production Mm -hmm. just with his food. Okay let alone travel because he hates taking the train. So it's just, he, he, he becomes a diva. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you brought up a point about going out and we've had this kind of conversation um, off air, but I wanted to know, like, what are your, ta- like, as a first generation yes. woman, um, our, our destiny in life is, yes, they really hammered home um, education, which I'm very grateful for, but mm-hmm. it's almost like they wanted me to be a really educated housewife, <laughs> which is like, no, <laughs> unless I'm marrying my professor. Um, and so, like, there's just, like, this disconnect in that yeah maybe there is a point in time where I do want to settle down and have children that's not happening now I am an individual I will always be an individual whether or not I'm married um but I I think there's a space here especially in your 20s to kind of just live and explore your life so um I never had any like actual like strategy where I feel like you do. And like, what is like, what are the very real world tactics that you use to like assert boundaries and like kind of broke through that? Like, Oh, you can't go out or like you stop living in the streets kind (laughs) of. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, When I was, I guess, in my early to mid-20s, I would party a lot. And I think, like, I think one time 
Yeah. One time my dad made a comment about it. He was like, you need to settle down, you know, get your life together because all you do is go out, da, da, da. And that was the opportunity where I was like, well, yeah, I do go out a lot, but I also work hard and I'm not being irresponsible and not showing up to work because even though I party, I will show my face to work. And the few time that I have for myself, I decide to spend dancing because I enjoy dancing. And that's kind of like the way I relieve stress. Because before, I feel like they just looked at my job like, oh, she's just sitting in front of the computer all day, which is not as beautiful and relaxing as it sounds. So I think once I made it clear how stressful our job is, then they started to like kind of understand that whenever I was home, either I was in my room enjoying silence or other times I was just out getting some cardio through dance. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But no, there was times where they, there was like family things going on. And I'm not going to say it was like really, really close family. And so they would, I guess like in some way expect me to go and they would say, Oh, on Saturday, we're going to go to like such and such birthday. And I would be like, Oh, well I already had plans from like two weekends ago. So I just found out about this two days ago, so I don't think I can make it. And that's how slowly I started to, like, draw that line. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes my my parents would have parties with their friends, and they would be like, oh, so my friend from here invited me to his daughter's wedding or his granddaughter's quinceañera, whatever. I'd be like, oh, okay, nice. And that's it. I wouldn't say, like, okay, what time are we leaving? No. I want to be like that with um, church because <laughs> in the Haitian culture, there's the three L's. Everyone who's Haitian listening is going to be like, oh my gosh, she's not <gasps> What is that? Um, l'église, l'école, la caille. L'église is church. Uh-huh. L'école is school. La caille is home. Oh, those are the three things you're allowed to do in your entire life until oh. you are out of the house with My your God. own family. Yeah, so like drawing a line where it's like, okay, time for church. You're like, you know what? I had plans two weeks ago. Ah, uh, you see, this is a thing that I never had, and I still don't do with my mom. Mm-hmm. So when when I have a Sunday and I stay here at home, I'll go with her to church. Mm-hmm. But let's say that for whatever reason, like an Instagram meetup is happening and I really want to go, then I'll go to church on a Saturday night uh, because that counts for Sunday. Use Catholics. <laughs> so sneaky. You don't always have something. So she can't say I didn't go to church because I did. It's just right. that I didn't go with her. Yeah, I can't do that. We have one. Oh, so no, we have two services, but it's always on Sunday. It's not, I can't, I don't, we do not have Sunday on, we do not have church, excuse me. We do not have church on Saturday, Saturday. to count for Sunday. <laughs> sneaky, sneaky Catholics. <laughs> and then I think 
one time we were, the conversation about marriage came up because when doesn't it come up in a family mm-hmm. reunion, right? And someone made the comment about like, oh, when are you going to get married? Da, da, da. And I was just like, why? Like, am I going to get a prize for it or something? <laughs> and, and then I told them, I was like, no, because I'm enjoying my time now. Like, I go out whenever I feel like it. I come back and I either like, you know, just go to sleep or whatever. But I don't have anyone to take care of. And I told, and I said this to even my parents were there, and I was like, because a woman, like you said, Dom, is expected to kind of like just that responsibility of taking care of the family just like automatically falls on her shoulders, right? And so when you're single, you're, you're helping your parents run errands, you go with them to doctor visits, all of that stuff. So yes, you're single, but you still have people to take care of. And then you, you're married and you take on even more responsibilities, especially if you have more kids. So then my question is, well, when do I have time for myself? When right. do I get to do the things that I want without having to worry that someone is going to come knocking on my door, asking to run errands or do whatever, basically? Yeah. So that brings me to a, um, another question that I have. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe this is might not be cultural, but like personal and strength of character. But basically, how do you not fall into this like trap of feeling guilty when you say me, I'm taking time for me. I want to do things for myself. Oh, yeah. I think at the beginning I did, but then I started realizing, no, I need time for myself. So that way I don't feel like irritated or anything like that when I'm spending time with my family. So like, for example, when I have a stressful day at work, I just come home, I eat in my room and I talk to them, you know, maybe for like half an hour or something. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm tired. I'm going to go to my room. And they, they understand that it's because now work is stressful and basically it's just me recharging so that the next morning I'm all cheerful and ready to talk with them for a longer time. So that's why I don't feel like I'm being selfish or I feel guilty of wanting to just have time for myself anymore because I'm like, no, I need time for myself so that I can be, you know, refreshed to spend time with you. Yes, that's the word. That's a good way of thinking of it. I um, I don't know. I just feel like, although on the outset, I would never be like, I know I'm not being selfish because I'm not asking for a lot. But still, there was something to be said that's yeah. like, you know, you, we pay for you to live here or something like that. Or like, you're just so comfortable like you know other children oh I love when they compare I used to I hated that when I was in school like when I said I love I meant I hate it (laughs) I know I know but back when I was in maybe middle school because that's when I was like very rebellious Mm -hmm. they would compare me to like the neighbor 
or such and such's daughter. And I'd be like, oh, like, really? We're not the same person. So you can't compare me to that girl or whatever. Right. Yeah. I, it took, I think what for me it took, um, it took like really hard, like, I'm just going to have to push through it and like, they're not going to love me less if I say no, I don't want to spend time. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, that took a long time. Where I feel like for you, even when I met you, you're like, yeah, I'm going out to the club. And I'm like, um, ha, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As I, yeah. Wait, we were just talking about how we cannot sleep over family members' houses because our parents would never let that happen. And then all of a sudden I hear, yeah, I'm just going to go clubbing. I'm going to get home around 3 a.m. And I'm like, excuse me? (laughs) Yeah, I think because also my parents realized, like, okay, if we say no to her, she's still going to do it. Right. And I think early on they learned that uh, punishments didn't really help out because either way I would find, like, some way to do it behind their backs. (laughs) and at first they didn't let me go clubbing by myself I started going to parties when I was in this like long relationship with this one guy and eventually like we would go to clubs together or sometimes we would go to parties with his family but then he stopped going out but I was still in that party mode so then I would go out by myself And I think, like, at the beginning, I would tell my parents that he was going with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, had to throw in a few lies here and there. Mm -hmm. But then eventually I was like, no, he doesn't want to go out to this club anymore. So it's just going to be me and my friends. And I think by that time they realized, like, okay, she can take care of herself. She's not going to die out there. So, yeah. I think... I don't think I told you, or I might have, yes. So this is um, when I was 21. Mm-hmm. This is five years ago. I have never been able to go to the movies <laughs> all throughout high school. Um, yeah. With your um, friends? No. No, um, I could not go um, to the mall with my friends because my parents would always quote this one story about this kid. And it's always someone that someone else knew. It's yeah. Always a son, a son, which makes it sound which makes it sound like it's made up. Exactly. <laughs> um he went to the mall with his friends. He had a backpack. One of his friends stole something. His friends put the thing the stolen item in his backpack. He was caught and arrested. So this is why you don't go out with friends. <laughs> That's so, why me, the cinephile filmmaker, never went to the movies. Oh, my God. I know. Um, joke's on them. I'm making it my career. <laughs> my parents were actually like that, too. They didn't, when I was probably in high school, no, middle school, yeah. In middle school, they never let me go to the movies with my friends. And... 
eventually I started realizing, oh, if I cut school, I can go to the movies with them. And then when I was in high school, I was allowed to go out with my friends, but not like every single weekend because my mom would always say, well, you see them five days a week in school and you text them and you call them. So why do you still need to see them on the weekends? Is that what your mom said? Yeah. My mom would be like, well, you talk to them on the phone and you talk to them at school. So no, there's, there's no need to go to the mall. There's no need to, you know, have a little gang of you guys together. It was always like a little gang. It's always <laughs> two or more children together. It's like, we're dangerous. We're going to, we're up to something. We're shifty. Um, <laughs> uh, and then always the whole, like, friends are going to influence you. Friends are going to influence you. Don't listen to friends. They're gonna oh, yeah. You, they're going to tie you down. I remember hearing that, you know, one time they strapped this one girl down oh. and they gave her alcohol to drink. And now all she does is party and drink. And I'm like, I'm not certain that's how that works. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah, so all throughout high school, I did not go to the movies at all until I was 21. Um, I started, I really, really adamantly wanted to go see this one movie. Mm -hmm. Nothing big at all. I don't even really remember the movie it was. I just remember, I'm like, I am home for the summer, like, for the summer, because I had just graduated, um... Uh, undergrad so I moved back home uh-huh and I was like so it's not like even a summer break you know what I mean Where oh like, right yeah I can go back to campus and then I can do whatever mm-hmm. I was like I need to really start asserting myself and like doing things where I ha- can like have a bit of a social life and maintain this while I'm job hunting essentially oh okay um and I really just wanted to get out and go to the movies with my cousin my uh-huh. mom was not having it. She's like, we don't let you go to the movies. Since when do you have this, um, uh, Alvi, which is like, um, Alvi is uh, desire. Oh. I think that's the most literal translation. But it's like, since when did you like have this fire or like this, you know, why do you have this like obsession or, um, you need, like you need to go necessity. You don't need to go to the movies. And I'm like, I am bored. Read my <laughs> lips. I need to do something. And we're in the suburbs. So literally, it's like just the movies. That's what you do. You yeah. go to the movies or you go to the mall. And when you're at the mall, you go to the movies. It's just for entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. So there's not much to do. I don't, we don't, we're not in New York City. Um, <laughs> so that's all I wanted to do. It was a huge fight. Even my cousins, uh, my cousin got involved and like her parents got involved and I had to intermediate and then there was like a whole compromise like okay you can go but like one of us has to be in the driver's uh, not the driver's seat the passenger seat because it was I wanted to go in my car and there was also this um whole fight about like oh if two of you guys are in the car you guys gonna be talking too much and loud music playing and you're there's gonna be an accident I've never been in an accident a day in my life Oh my god, 
be a plan collectively for accidents. Anyways, <laughs> I'm not keeping score. <laughs> Maybe they were playing some loud music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> loud, uh, loud gospel music. <laughs> Jesus did not take that wheel. <laughs> So it had to be an actual verbal um, confrontation for uh, my right. And speaking of being assertive, I think there was a point where I realized I was like, I'm like, I think there was probably when I was about maybe like 23 or something. I was like, I'm still asking for permission. This is not okay. And I remember one time that my dear friend Angie invited me I think it was upstate and there was going to be a few of her her other co-workers and of course myself and they were going to rent a Airbnb and then I made the mistake of asking my dad I was like can I go and he was like no because why are you going to spend so many days away da 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 And I was like, oh, my God, like, doesn't he realize this is what people do? This is what working people of my age do. And so the next time that another group of friends invited me, this was to Poconos, I remember clearly. I was so nervous. But then I realized I was like, no, I am going this to this trip. This time I'm going. So instead of asking them, can I go one day? I just told them, oh, by the way. From this day to this date, I'm going to Poconos and we're going to be here for the, the long weekend. Da, da, da. This is what we're going to do. We already booked the tickets and everything. So that's, I think, that was the moment, I think, where I started to like draw the line. I was like, no, I'm just telling you because technically now we're just roommates. I'm not asking you for, for permission anymore. Amen. That's <laughs> Two years. So, I think, yeah, two years ago. So, yeah, I guess when I was, no, 24. You did it okay. at 23. 23, right? yeah, I think it was like 23, yeah. Okay, yeah, 24. Um, basically, when um, it came time to go to grad school, that's how I really asserted it, and I did it in a big way. So, I <sighs> guess, like, because I'm dramatic. Um, obviously I would approach these things more dramatically than like, yeah, I'm just going to go out clubbing. I really asserted myself and I did not ask permission when I said three weeks. So this is three weeks after I signed the lease Mm -hmm. in the Bronx. Um, and three weeks before I had to move out, (laughs) I was like, here's my lease. I put down my money, I'm out of here, and here's when you guys are going to help me move in. So not only did I say I'm leaving, but I'm like, you're helping me leave. (laughs) That was the moment. That was the moment. Because no one was going to get away, get in the way of like me. I was so close to this freedom, Karen. I was like, you're not getting in this way. Also, like I physically needed it for school yeah that's what I was gonna say it was basically for like your own well-being so that you didn't have to hassle so much with transportation yeah 
it's not because you just wanted to like go clubbing every single weekend and whatever. Like, no, that's not the, the purpose that you did it with. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. I feel like for anyone that's out there listening mm-hmm. and they're in the same situation, mm-hmm. I think like all you have to do is just be assertive because if you're always out here asking for permission, that's when the parents still feel like they they have control over our lives. Mm-hmm. And sure, like we're thankful for everything they've done for us. But basically, this is our life and we should be able to live it the way we want to. Exactly. And um, I don't know, doing that also is a really good um, exercise and confidence and helping you out because I do feel that <clears throat> I feel like that kind of parenting I understand that that's what they know but that yeah. kind of parenting does lead to um, really low self-esteem and lack of confidence when there's so much um, distrust in your own agency as a human. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can also be read by other people who want to also <gasps> yes. hurt and manipulate you. You see, the, right when you were saying that, I was thinking about just someone being married. Mm-hmm. Like your spouse or anything like that could take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that's where abuse comes in. And the fact that you you're always accustomed to like either asking for permission or having people doubt in your best judgment, it's easy to fall into like an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. So confidence starts from when you're at home, basically. It does. I honestly think it starts with the parent because the child doesn't like a child is pretty carefree and they don't know. Like a baby is just gonna like laugh and roll around and put things in its mouth and like you're the <laughs> parent and like you have to set guidelines. But then you also like it should not only be punitive. It shouldn't be like I'm punishing you or I'm telling you that the world is dangerous and I'm only doing these things for your protection. You can protect your child, which you absolutely should. Um, but you can also empower your child yes that's a human being Mm -hmm. you're putting someone else out into the society like you didn't just have the you don't have children in a vacuum (laughs) exactly you have to prepare them for what's on the outside Mm -hmm. and of course we're gonna make mistakes we're human because my mom also has this thing of saying like oh well, if I'm telling you not to do this, it's because I already experienced it. And, oh, and it wasn't, my God, I'm going to cry. Yeah. You just triggered me. <laughs> <laughs> she would always say that to me. And I was like, okay, I understand that it happened to you. And I'm fine with you telling me that anecdote or something like that or that lesson learned. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to make other mistakes. Like no one is perfect. And there's going to be times where you are going to make mistakes and you're going to learn from them. That's how people grow. Mm -hmm. But she just told me every single little thing I think that she did wrong and didn't want me to do the same thing. 
which I appreciate, but that's not how people learn. That is not how people learn. And I honestly, I call that like from, oh, I remember hearing that from my parents. I'm like, no, 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 no. Because (laughs) one, they're very good at this like propaganda and they're very good at like showing off a facade of themselves and like okay if you're like this pious or you're like this law-abiding person then you obviously didn't even make those mistakes or the mistakes that you're telling me you've made so that I don't make them and two we're not literally the environments are radically different exactly so like you do not experience what I like you aren't experiencing living in a different culture and having to speak a different language and learn in a different like environment. Mm-hmm. So now your experience, I'm not saying it doesn't count for anything, but your experience is literally not mine. I am my own person. You are your own person. Karen and I, we have very, we're so similar, so in tune. We still have different experiences from yes. each other because we are individuals. Mm-hmm. I call, I call that from a lot, like. That was one of the things that could not get past nine-year-old Dominique. A lot could, but that one didn't. There's no way they have my, they're not in my brain. They don't have the same experiences. Yes. And then also, I don't know if this is because I also used to watch a lot of movies back then Mm -hmm. and other TV shows, but I kind of learned from that. And I was like, okay, I'm not that stupid. Like, I'm not going to go out into this world and just, like, go onto, like, some stranger's car or whatever. Like, I know what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they still made it sound like, no, like, I didn't know. Like, I couldn't use my best judgment. Right. And then um, I remember this was in high school. This was senior year. And, like, there was no way I was going to go to prom. But I really wanted to go to homecoming. So that was the compromise. They were like, you were going to go to one dance throughout your entire high school. And it was homecoming. So I went to my homecoming dance. Um, And even that was still like a whole production. Not like production as in like they got me a dress. It was just like a whole like, are you sure you want to go? You better not be doing these things. Like who's going to be there? Chaperones. Like how like safe is this thing you know god said not to do these things a young girl should keep her purity and stay home mm. they like should list like a list of excuses basically it's like people throwing ham at the wall and seeing what sticks um <laughs> uh but what was i going to say and i remember i was telling an older cousin of mine um it was just like probably was in their late twenties when I was in high school, and I was like, I really don't understand this logic. Like, did they not think that they instilled enough values yeah. in me for me to be my own person? Like, that says more about your confidence in your parenting than it says about your trust in me. That's like, exactly. I almost yeah. think like it's not that you don't trust me it's like you are literally afraid that you didn't do a good job as a parent oh my god you just read my mind Dom I would always think the same thing always 
And then speaking of homecoming, I was never allowed to go to a dance when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Forget about senior prom. Like I didn't even try that. And I did go to the senior trip though. But that was also a big deal because apparently my dad thought that I was going to like, instead of going to the senior trip, I was going to stay with like some boy or whatever. Oh my God. That sounds like something my parents would think. Yeah. Too. And he wanted to see like the, the permission slip and like, of course, who, which teachers are going, where are you staying? Da, da, da. It was this whole big deal. But I was like, you know what? You're not going to ruin this for me because I only graduate high school once and I only have one senior trip and I am going to go. Mm-hmm. Yes. I could not go to senior trip was also not included. Like it was like one dance and you're not going to senior trip and you're not doing prom. Mm. Senior trip was a three day, four day trip. I think it might actually be a week. I think it was a week um, at uh, Washington DC. So it was like a sleep away. Oh, right. Four hours away. Oh, now I, I remember another story. Ooh. So in middle school, and this is to tell you, like, I don't know what it was about my parents. I don't know what you would call this, but I'm going to explain the story to you. Mm -hmm. So when I was in middle school, my brother and I attended the same one, but of course in different years because I'm older. Mm -hmm. But when I made it to the, was it sixth or seventh grade? Yeah. I think it was like the seventh grade. We were doing like some type of research and the school decided to take us up to a farm just to experience basically like farm life, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was a week and all we had to do was bring like money to spend over there because the trip was paid for and of course clothing. Basically, that was it. And I was so excited. I really wanted to go. And when I told my parents, They were like, no, you're not going. A week? You're going to sleep away from home for a week? Mm -hmm. And no, I couldn't go. Like, And even my teachers were like, but why not? It's such a great experience. I was like, "Mm, yeah. At the end, I was just like, no, I I, I don't really want to go. Because I just didn't want to be questioned about it anymore. Because it wasn't really on me. It was on my parents. Oh, yeah. Um, I used to do that all the time when, like, friends would be like, okay, can you ask your parents three days in advance? I'm like, yeah. and then when I, three <laughs> days have passed, because they knew at some point they're like, okay, let's just like have her give her parents enough notice. And then yeah. they'll, you know, <clears throat> they'll say yes. I, you can give them five weeks. At the end of the five weeks, be like, they said no. And I didn't even ask them. I, the entire five weeks, I didn't ask them because yeah. I knew that the answer was going to be no. Exactly. And then... When it came time for my brother to get the invitation to that farm, my parents said yes. They let him go without like even doubting it for one second. My brother was like, girl, can Yes. And then when my brother brought home that permission slip, he was like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to the farm. My dad was like, oh, okay, sure. He left. And then my dad had the nerve. I was so pissed at that moment. Like, eleven year old me was like furious on the inside. He was like, "But how come Karen didn't go?" Oh my! That's not something my dad would ask. I was like, "Really? Like, did I have a different dad or something?" Yes. And then my mom did tell him. She was like, "Oh, because you said that. How? How would? 
how was a girl going to sleep so many days out of her house and you didn't let her go? Oh my God. And then he was just like, oh. And I was like, oh, oh, doesn't fix anything. I didn't get that experience. (laughs) You got to laugh or you're going to cry. Of course. Yes. But back then, I was so salty that my brother got to go and I didn't. Me too. Oh my God. I would have hidden his luggage. (laughs) I was just like grateful that for a week I was like the only child. That's true. But anyway, that time flew by really fast. But I was just so salty that he got to go and I didn't. It's so funny. Not really. It's sad it's a sad reality of yeah like now we look yeah now we look back at it and laugh but back then like our younger self was so pissed off and just like yeah couldn't get over it oh wow well um that concludes all of my lining of my hmm. let me start over well, that concludes my questions. Um, I really <laughs> thank you so much for rolling um, with the questions and the punches and like really good anecdotes. Um, but I have always noted that in the four years of meeting you, of knowing you, imagine yeah. four years of just meeting you, <laughs> of knowing you um, and our friendship. And understanding that we are really bonded by this yes. generation American syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> You've always been so good at this balance. Oh, thank you. I feel like also because uh, I'm a Scorpio, I don't take no for an answer. And the rebellious person in me is always going to come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I'm messy. So, And you're almost never messy i feel like our readers our readers you hear me (laughs) um it's the cold medicine um i feel like our listeners always pick up on who's gonna be the one most likely throwing a drink in someone's face and who's gonna be the one just dancing on the dance floor (laughs) um but yeah i was just very interested in knowing um because you've always really tackled that really well and i'm like i need to pick your brain Thank you. I I really appreciate that. I try to, especially now with work getting crazier every day, Mm -hmm. I just try to keep that good balance for my own sanity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Okay, so do you have anyone you want to highlight? Yes, ma'am. Oh, so we are recording... Uh, on a Tuesday night, yes, August 7th, I believe Monday, August 6th, less than maybe 24 hours ago, mm-hmm. the lovely, my lovely Lord and Savior, Beyonce. Um, <laughs> and everyone surrounding her Vogue September photo shoot was released on Twitter. Which, like, honestly, Beyonce really needs to, like, either spread the wealth and, like, make sure that all of her fans have good medical care because we cannot handle when she drops things like this. 
She does that all the time, right? Uh, Karen, I don't have the heart. <laughs> um, but she I needs wanna... to create her own healthcare system. She need... So then when she like randomly drops an album, we're all in the hospital. Okay. <laughs> and fine. <laughs> and listening to her music. They'll be playing her music in the waiting room. Exactly. <laughs> That's only that's the only time the hospitals will operate. Yes. They're gonna start admitting and then once we like once they're admitting people, we know something's gonna drop. <laughs> um her cover is just absolutely lovely and stunning. And um her this is like her first interview in like a couple of years now. She like stopped publicly giving interviews or speaking um, and has just been making music Mm -hmm. and releasing things through a spokesperson. But this is like the first time in a really long time since she's like sat down and given an interview. And I also wanted to note the um, photographer who is a young fellow of color. The first one. Yeah. I think he's black actually. Yeah, he is. He is. Okay. Um, in 126 years, which is ridiculous. One, I didn't know Vogue was that old. Um, <laughs> which is terrible because I, <laughs> I really wanted to be like um, the double wears Prada and work at a fashion magazine. So Me too. That's awful that I didn't know that very basic fact about <laughs> Vogue. <laughs> I would have cut it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I wanted to say, I just, oh, her interviews were, it was so, so, so good. You read it already? Yeah, there's, um, there's like clips of, uh, there's clips of it floating around online. I linked you to a couple, but you know what? I'm probably overloaded you with notifications, so... I'm not even bothered that you haven't even paid attention. I'm catching up. Yeah. But it just, she talks about um, her body um, and how it's been so different having the set of twins now that she's older in her mm-hmm. 30s. Um, and she talks about being vegan. Um, <laughs> it's just like, she's so like Karen she just talks about like she loves her fupa Beyonce said I'm like I was on the floor I couldn't (laughs) even be on my bed I was on the floor (laughs) this is probably why I haven't healed yet because you were on the floor thanks to Beyonce um so it was great. She was talking about her body um, and how accepting and more patient she is. Um, and she doesn't, she thinks it's BS that she like internalized what society has said about like mothers um, and the, the, your body months after having a child. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was beautiful. And one really important note, and this is a, this is still a shout out um, or a highlight. This is still a highlight, um, but also kind of a plug. Um, I'm going to be a little <laughs> shameless right now. But 
Beyonce, and I know a year before um, Serena Williams, two very prominent, wealthy Black women had um, complications during childbirth. Um, One of the projects that I'm working on as a part of the Anthology House um, Media Umbrella uh, is a documentary on Black mother mortality rates in the United States. And it is actually three times as high, it's three times higher than their white counterparts. And for a developed country in the United States, we're on par with Mexico, Haiti, and Egypt in terms of mortality rates for Black women. Whoa. And it crosses um, class lines. So there's women like Beyonce and Serena, Black, who have had complications um, with childbirth, and then there's women who are on a lower socioeconomic status who also have complications in childbirth and sometimes actually end up dying during childbirth. Oh. And the pattern or the through line is that it's affecting Black women at a higher rate. So I really um, wanted to say I'm very, um, I'm very touched by the willingness of Serena and Beyonce and women like who they're just very prominent, prominent women. They're rich and they're arguably pretty health. Like they're among yeah. the healthiest women in the world. Yeah. So something that's happening that is not really being discussed in mainstream feminism. Um, peep how I said that. Uh, and <laughs> I, I also too wanted to just be like, I'm happy that they that they're talking about this. Um, and I did see a part of uh, a part of that interview be a conversation about Black mother mortality rates. And um, I am doing my part to work on that as well in terms of educating society at large. Mm-hmm. So that's my little plug. Is that I'll lovely a documentary? Um, but I wanted to also highlight. Um, using their platform and Beyonce particularly in this Vogue issue, using her voice and her platform to to speak up. Yeah, that yeah. that's a good thing, and you should definitely use the platform, especially if you have a big one like Beyonce does. Exactly, and she talks about veganism again. I'm just gonna say that again out there. <laughs> vegan, you should follow. Okay, not this uh, Kat Von D nonsense. Oh my god. Anyways, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that was such a good highlight. I don't have anything to top it. Oh really? Yeah. I like it. Awesome. Okay, so anyone you want to send to hell? I do not actually. Oh. I've just been on good vibes. That's lovely. It's the cold medicine. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anyone to send to hell either. Um, so we're just going to end it on a good note. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yeah, I wanted to, one, one note is that I know I did mention black mother mortality rates, but I know women of color, marginalized women in general, have harder times with child, like, pre- uh, and postnatal care. It's mm-hmm. 
undocumented women. And there's like a lot of community efforts, like when you're in an undocumented community, um, people will rally it together and like help mothers. Right. Structurally, institutionally, there is nothing yeah. for undocumented women. I just wanted to put that out there because I don't want it to seem like I only care about black women. I know like the struggle is very real. Maybe we should talk about this on an, on another episode and get in depth of it. Ooh, I have so much research material. (laughs) (laughs) I know you do. You'll beat me in this one. Yeah. You'll interview me then. Oh, okay. (laughs) But yeah, that sounds like a good episode. Mm hmm. All right, everyone. So now you know that is a, an episode that's coming up. So make sure to follow us on Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Google Play. And Stitcher. And Stitcher, yes, and Stitcher. And also on Instagram and Twitter because we're always posting. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone. Have a safe day and catch you guys on the next episode. Bye. This podcast was executive produced by Karen Almonte. You can follow us on social media to keep up with your favorite Bronx ladies. From the Bronx with Love is part of Anthology House Media.